are a long gospel on this Friday, May the 20th. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be doing something that we hardly ever do on Law and Gospel, and that's to talk about our synod. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has a number of districts, and for example, in Illinois, there's three districts. Missouri is one district, and there's 35 of them all together. And over them is a district president. And in some of the districts, of course, are universities. Now, the president of the Synod, the Reverend Dr. Matthew C. Harrison, is really over all of them to make sure that what they are doing is proper. And we have had a, a problem recently with Concordia University in Wisconsin. And he has written a three-page letter that is very, very interesting as to what he found when he visited with some individuals at the university. And so we're going to kind of go over this right now uh, to show you how important is the president of the synod in making sure that proper doctrine is being taught. We haven't mentioned much of this problem we're having there, although Issues Etc. has dealt with it in talking to one of the individuals who wrote a number of letters against what is happening on that campus. And there is just a feeling that there is no longer the doctrine that's taught by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod being permeated throughout the campus. So President Harrison sends this message to the Board of Regents. The Board of Regents is an elected board that is to oversee what is going on at each university. It's dated May 9th. Grace and peace to you in this holy Easter tide where the joy and hope of resurrection and restoration pervades all that we do. It is in this resurrection confidence that I write this letter. Before I write some hard things, I want to note that Dr. Cario and his team were very accommodating and cordial to our visitation team of 10. We were granted access and treated well, there was no effort to restrict staff, student, and faculty access to our interviews. There are many truly great things going on at Concordia University, Wisconsin. A full report of the findings and conclusions of the visitation team are forthcoming, but I wanted to send you this letter in advance of the 12th, May 12th Board of Regents meeting, previewing some of our findings and giving you a clear path forward. My primary concerns are full fourfold. So these are the fourfold concerns that were found by the visitation of 10 people. Bylaw violations. Now, bylaw visitation, uh, I'm sorry, bylaw violations what are they? The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has a handbook, and the Secretary of Synod, I believe, is one of the most important people 
outside of the president of the synod because he knows all the Constitution and the bylaws. I visited him a number of times when I had some concerns, and he was extremely helpful. But he discovered, or at least through him, there had been a number of bylaw violations that the university had committed. Number two, a mission drift. Now, you see, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is based on the mission of proclaiming Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, the only Savior, and all the doctrines that deal with that from the Reformation justification by grace through faith on account of Jesus and most importantly the distinctions between law and gospel uh, of which Dr. Harrison has written much about because he along with Martin Luther agrees that the distinctions between law and gospel are really important in understanding scripture if, if one doesn't realize that the law is kind of telling you what you have to do in order to be saved, and the gospel tells you what Jesus has done to save you, you'll get really confused at times in reading the Bible. You need to keep those two separate. And, and that's the real point of every sermon, to take a look at the text, for that particular Sunday from a law gospel point of view and then deal with it. So that was the second mission problem, mission drift. The next one was faculty frustrations. So these 10 individuals uh, that were along with Dr. Harrison interviewed also faculty members and found a lot of frustration of what was happening on campus. And in fact, uh, some have already left. Some are in the process of wanting to leave. And that's not something that we can do and, and, and permit if these are good faculty individuals. Finally, because of all the problems that are being touted, even in the public press, there is a loss of trust from synodical members. <coughs> Excuse me. I need to cough every now and then. And that trust is critical because apart from trust on the part of the denomination, then who would want to send their children to a place where Lutheran theology is not being taught properly? So, first of all, and we're not going to spend too much time on this, there's a listing of bylaw violations. And what they do is specifically deal with the search committee that was looking for a new president of the school. The search committee was comprised of 15 members, of which only six members were regents. The rest were advisors, faculty, and staff. And this created a situation where search committee votes could be determined without a single regent 
voting in favor of a proposed action. And President Harrison refers to this as a breach of fiduciary duty to commingle its authority in this way with a body that included a majority of non-board members. And in fact, bylaw 3.10.6.5 says, under no circumstances shall a board delegate its authority to, nor commingle its authority with any other body that includes non-board members. So that's really, really important that this committee is to be set up and that bylaw is already being broken because not only does it include non-board members, but the majority now are non-board members. So that's not good and is going to lead to problems. And he then actually begins to name names. He says, the Board of Regents delegated all responsibility for preparing the presidential prospectus to a woman named Gretchen Jameson. And input from the Board of Regents was not sought. And that's in violation of another bylaw where the search committee delegates the development of written criteria to screen candidates to the executive board of the search committee without input or approval of the board of regents. So the search committee then took upon itself to engage in a screening and notification process that was in direct contravention to the bylaws. And so there were those on the board that didn't like the current process set forth in the bylaws and actually preferred a process from an older version of the bylaws that allowed the search committee to pre-screen nominees before sending them onto the prior approval panel. But that was an older version of the bylaws. Now, how did the bylaws come about? They're voted on by the, by the denomination assembled in convention. And so the Secretary of Synod, as he examines the workings of the Synod, then goes ahead and indicates what would be good changes to have to make work in the Synod more able to be done and more in agreement with the mission of the Synod. So what happened is this panel continued to push forward names of men and women who had not been approved and desired to choose a man from the pool of the 38 names not the 11. Most of the 11 were informed they would in fact not be considered. And to this very hour, President indicates, Harrison, board leadership has refused to interview any candidate approved, including the three candidates most on the prior approval panel's list and the region's preferred 
shortlist. This act, he says, gravely dishonors the 11 candidates officially approved, especially belittled belittled candidates from Concordia University theology and philosophy departments, and also precipitated what he referred to as the Schultz matter. Professor Schultz came out publicly against the drift in mission and theology away from what the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod changed. In fact, to show you how bad this was getting, there was in July 2021, changes to the faculty handbook, including reference to the president with the pronouns he or she and his or her, which is in violation of the teaching of Holy Scriptures that spiritual and doctrinal oversight in the church and in its universities is given to qualified men. Therefore, a woman cannot be president of one of these universities, which she would then have control over the theology of the university. So there are other things which will come out later in the bylaws, but let's get on to mission drift. President Harrison begins by talking about that the university is a tremendous institution and the positives are many. But throughout the visit, concerned faculty, staff, and students expressed concern over the introduction of secular diversity, equity, and inclusion language and innovations into the mission of the university. In fact, the philosophy that is trying to be pushed is laden with ideas that are antagonistic to the sacred scriptures, including great lies about human sexuality and race. Much of this seems, and he writes this, to have been promoted and pushed by administrators and faculty who are no longer at the school. This, along with a presidential search, pose a unique opportunity for the university to reassert its Lutheran identity and mission, identify, define, and embrace diversity that is intentionally biblical. For example, all are created in the very image of God and each worth the very blood of Christ and give the theological faculty a greater role and responsibility in shaping the Lutheran ethos of the institution and catechizing new faculty in a Lutheran worldview. He he even gives an example of another denomination and a university, uh, Grove City College in Pennsylvania, formerly affiliated with a Presbyterian church. And they used to have a Christ-centered mission. But when concerns about the infiltration of teachings dealing with the critical race theory came into the mission and instruction of the college, the college opened up to ways 
in which it had drifted from its mission, it appointed a committee to investigate concerns and developed a plan to move back to its institutional Christocentricity. Concordia University, Wisconsin, and Concordia, Ann Arbor, has such an opportunity right now in the midst of a presidential search to acknowledge past mistakes and move intentionally back to its clear Lutheran mission. However, the regents, remember those are the elected individuals, at least have consistently rejected the input of the elected pastors on the board of regents and of my representative. So the president has a representative he also appoints to the board of regents. They are seasoned men. They know the scriptures. They are all deeply concerned about mission drift. The regents reject the advice of the South Wisconsin district president, who is a voting member of the board of regents and is likewise concerned about mission drift. I fear you will continue to reject my advice to the continued detriment of Concordia and our life together. So then he goes into faculty frustrations. Our visitation team included educational, legal, corporate, and ecclesiastical experts. We interviewed 80 individuals and it became very apparent to the visitation team that many of the faculty of Concordia University, Wisconsin, are deeply frustrated. The theological faculty, and that's the really most important one because it decides the mission drift, they feel marginalized. Two prominent members of the theology department have already left for other institutions, and there appears to be other departures soon. LCMS Lutherans in other departments have expressed similar concern. Recently, several faculty members have reached out to the university board and members of the visitation team to voice their concerns over new language in the updated faculty contracts which they feel makes them more disposable and susceptible to firing without due process. As the present premier university in the Concordia system, Concordia University, Wisconsin, has enjoyed the strongest of theological and philosophy faculties. In fact, he writes, the science faculty is also very strong and faithful. And we can only understand that in this day where so many people believe in the ideology of evolution. So finally, he talks about the loss of trust from the synod. He says, as a result of these very significant concerns, some of which have been made public across the synod and in news reports beyond the church, Many pious lay people and congregations of the synod have lost trust 
in the university's faithfulness to genuine Lutheranism and her mission to raise up both church workers and faithful citizens in other vocations, all while reaching the loss with the gospel of Christ. Now, if there's one problem you often find in the area of politics is the lack of transparency. I mean, what denomination wants to make public its problems on a public level? But because of the fine leadership and administration of President Harrison, he felt it was necessary to do this. So he also has a path forward. And he makes three points about the path forward. From confusion and uncertainty back to the proudly confessional Lutheran mission for which the university was once known. First of all, he mentions two individuals on the Board of Regents who should resign. He gives their names and says their demonstrated unwillingness to abide by the bylaws and their inability to oversee the presidential search process in a manner that inspires the trust of the Senate at large have hampered the institution too long. Number two, the Board of Regents, he says, should restart the presidential search with the three candidates plus additional members of the theological faculty from the list of the 11 men approved by the prior approval panel. Concordia University, Wisconsin, clearly needs a competent, compassionate theologian at the helm. My time interviewing faculty and staff made this painfully obvious to me, writes President Harrison. With no overall clarity and scriptural critique, secular ideas involving critical theory, inclusion, and inequity have been found on the campus. The new president can add to his staff those who are able to assist him with administering the $100 million budget of the institution. However, to prioritize demonstrated competence in managing a budget of this size at the cost of eliminating from consideration for the Concordia University presidency very competent theologians is unwise and at odds with the mission of the university. Finally, President Harrison demonstrate repentance is needed for bylaw violations and the adoption of secular worldviews and agendas. There needs to be an acknowledgement of an uncritical haste that occurred in adopting language of secular diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. Assemble a team from within to assess the pervasiveness 
of this secular influence. Invite the participation of theologians from Concordia University, Wisconsin, and the Synod at large. Make use of the considerable abilities of the Synod's Commission on Theology and Church Relations. That's another group that is elected by the Synod and often deals with doctrinal concerns. Produce something of value for all of our universities that will help us all to be and remain solid, biblically conservative institutions serving the church and her mission and training young people to have meaningful lives. I, that's President Harrison, stands ready to assist. The Synod stands ready to help. His last paragraph, Jesus is risen from the dead. This is certain. The gates of hell cannot prevail against his church. This too is certain. What we do as stewards of his gifts in the interim, we do with this confidence. As long as this synod remains and the people and congregations entrust me with this leadership, I will work to ensure that the synod and her institution remains faithful to scripture and the confessions. Labor toward unity in our stewardship of Christ's gifts and fight those who oppose our clear and confident proclamation of the crucified and risen Christ. For decades, Concordia has been an ally in this work and fight and an invaluable asset to the church's mission and ministry. I pray that this continues. In Christ, Reverend Dr. Matthew C. Harrison, President, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. What a courageous letter to write. He'll have much criticism, but he is absolutely correct. And fortunately, the majority in the Synod is with him. On the next Law and Gospel Monday, we'll return to Law and Gospel analyses of the readings for the following Sunday. Till then, I'm Tom Baker. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.